You're listening to From Heaven and Hope, a weekly podcast where Nicole Frazier brings you conversations from those who have been affected by grief. Whether a parent, child, friend, counselor, pastor, or philanthropist, everyone moves through and conquers grief in their own way. We know that what you're facing is a long road, but no matter how dark that road is, there will always be light. There will always be purpose. From where they are in heaven to the hope you need to move forward, we want to help you on that journey. Here is today's episode. Welcome back to From Heaven and Hope. Today we are talking to Carla Garrett, who lost her seven-year-old son, Xavier, to a really extreme form of cancer in a really long, drawn-out process, but she's managed to share her grief and use her grief to guide others through theirs, and I'm just so inspired by her, and I really hope you'll enjoy this conversation. Here she is. Hi, Carla. How are you? Good. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. I'm happy to have you. So for anybody listening who may not know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here today? Sure. So first off, my name is Carla Garrett. I'm a mom, a wife, former journalist, and most recently author of a book for children facing death. And I was a 26-year-old new mom of twins, a beautiful boy and girl, when my life and everything I thought it was supposed to be changed forever. My eight-month-old son, Xavier, was diagnosed with an incurable cancer, and he lived to age seven when he took his last breath in my arms at home as we cuddled in his bed. That's really hard, the passing of a child, but also a twin being Mm -hmm. one living and one not. So, I mean, you're married and you have this beautiful family and, and then your life kind of takes a big turn. When did you find out that he had this? So even since from birth, I knew something was up with him, you know, that mother's instinct. And so it took a couple months for doctors to figure out what was wrong with him. By eight months old, he was diagnosed. Okay. So that's a long, that's a long journey and a long, like a long grief journey and varied because he's here, but you know, Mm -hmm. the result is likely going to be. So when you think about grieving together with your spouse, how do you feel like you handled that? Do you feel like you grieved differently? And and what did that look like? How did you support each other through when, you know, even when he was here and then maybe after, after as well? Yes, we totally grieved differently. He, he didn't show his grief as freely, especially in the beginning. I was crying all the time and sometimes still do. After a while, I started writing to help process my grief but it took him a lot longer to find something or that outlet to uh, pour his grief into. He did find it in photography and music, but there were still a lot of differences. Like he preferred to go to work, whereas I couldn't go back to work. I really couldn't focus on anything else but my grief for quite a while. In terms of, you know, managing that together, I think just understanding that we grieve differently help support us. So we didn't take that personally, that someone was able to do this, or he was able to do that. And I couldn't just understanding that we're different people and we grieve differently. Yeah, for sure. Then after that, so like logistically speaking, I guess in the beginning, in the early stages, did you do anything? I'm thinking this is probably more after he passed away, but maybe during too. any logistical things that you did. Did you go to therapy? Did you Do you have any books or resources that really helped you or even uh, medicinally? I mean, that can trigger PTSD, depression, like there's no judgment here. 
Yeah, for sure. Those early days are still such a blur. Uh, we didn't leave the house often and all the energy we had, we put towards being there for Mackenzie. And I found being able to still care for her was actually helpful in a way because it gave me something to do and something else to focus on. But we did a lot of therapy before he died and after. Um, we always joke that when other families were running kids to hockey or soccer or dance, we were running to therapy sessions. Right. That was our extracurricular activity, but it really helped being able to identify and express our feelings in a, in a health. Yeah. And what about your daughter, right? Because you had paternal twins, like boy and girl, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, as she's getting older and noticing differences, how did that play out? How did you manage her? her grief as well. I mean, as well as your son, who was obviously going through it. Mm -hmm. It was all steps, right? Because as both of them aged developmentally, they could understand more. So it was very challenging when Mackenzie was five years old and didn't understand why her brother required so much care. And there was a lot of resentment towards him because she just saw him getting all kinds of attention. And so as she got older, she started to understand why and the seriousness of it. So yeah, it was really a process and it's still a process now because as she is growing up, she sees the world differently and is learning more and, and we just, you know, go with that and wherever she's at. Yeah. That's hard. I don't know if that experience created some maybe anxiety in you as parents. Um, I know it has for me and fear. So how do you, how do you manage that for yourself and for your daughter, like a, make sure you're not, you know, a helicopter parent, making sure she doesn't bump her knee every. Yes, that, that definitely was a concern. I mean, we had a lot of fear for years when Xavier was living, never knowing when it was going to be the end. So, but even though I had a lot of practice with that, it's still today, we both have a lot of anxiety. Um, hers stemming a lot from the separation anxiety. So there's a lot of She's home with us a lot more than maybe a typical 12, 13 year old would be, but she needs that. And, and that's okay. Right. And, and just being close is a big way that we deal with it. And we also have done in the past calming imagery. So we have a book of just stories where you can picture that anxiety, something else and throw it away as a rock in the, you know, so we've, we've done that to each other and we do that occasionally to help shut our brains off when we just can't stop. Yeah, that's great. That's a great tactic. Mm -hmm. I used to do that in therapy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's useful. It really is when you let yourself just be immersed in it. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine for a child, like a visual representation is really helpful to understand something yes. that probably is very hard to understand. And as, and as your daughter grows up, how do, you, how do you continue to share her brother with her? How do you continue to see... Xavier being a part of your life as time goes by. So luckily she does have a lot of memories of Xavier. And sometimes she remembers things like we don't remember, which is really neat to hear and get her perspective of their twin bond that they had. And we, we talk about him still frequently, like whether it's bringing up a, a funny story about he used to pretend his mouth was a vacuum to suck up his spilled food off the table so we just bring up little things that we remember all the time at the dinner table. It's quite natural now to just talk about what it was like when he was here. And as Mackenzie gets older too, we've also allowed her to choose how she wants to include him in her life. 
And there's been times where, you know, we've had a lot of things of his around the house, but it was, you know, distressing to her. So we took some of those things down as well. She started a new school and she didn't tell anybody that she had a brother for the first few weeks. Mm-hmm. But then she eventually started taking photos of the two of them together and sharing them with her classmates. So it's, uh, again, day by day process of yeah. how we deal with it. Yeah. Following her lead, being sensitive. Mm-hmm. To it. Great. What about like Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries and stuff like that? Do you celebrate those or do you do anything for those things? So, I mean, we do celebrate them. And again, it's, it's difficult. Like, I think we're still learning how to how to do these things uh-huh. early on. He was a huge part of Christmas and we dedicated, you know, certain candles for him. And, but as the years have gone, it's kind of changed a little bit and now write him a letter and we put it in a stocking at Christmas. And I really don't know what the right thing is to do. Sometimes I feel guilty. We don't include him enough. And then other times it's like, well, is it too much that Mackenzie's feeling like we're still mm-hmm. focused on him so much? So it's really still a learning process for us and celebrating those things. Yeah. I, I don't know how that would, I mean, it changes for us too, but I can, I can just imagine what that would be like as twins. No, being very, birthday, the birthday thing is hard because yeah. they share the birthday and yeah. it's uh, we've actually now celebrate his kind of on a different day and he died two weeks before his birthday too. So we kind of make that his celebration day because mm-hmm. Mackenzie really wanted not to be overshadowed by the sadness on her birthday. I mean, it's still there. It's the elephant in the room, but she, she really preferred just to celebrate her that day. So we, we do, and we celebrate him on another day. That's good. That's a nice way to do that. A friend of mine has twins and lost one of them when she was, I think she was almost 19 months or something. So I'm constantly kind of navigating. I'm not navigating. She's navigating, but I'm conscious of how that must feel for her because it's just not something I know, right? You know, the grief, but you don't know that complexity. So that's hard. Do you, or do your family, or, I mean, you mentioned the pictures a little bit with Mackenzie, but are, have you ever had trouble with triggers? Because those can come up kind of at the weirdest times, most inconvenient and like years down the road and (laughs) without warning. So do you, have you experienced that? And how do you, how do you navigate that? Yes, definitely um, triggers. And I mean, it's we're heading into the year five and I still have triggers to this day. They've changed over time. So in the beginning, it used to be like little things that I used to do with Xavier. So he was always my bean cutter and we cut the ends of the beans off when we were making supper. And so right after, beans were my trigger. Yeah. So I kind of avoided green beans for supper because that was a huge trigger for me. And it's definitely changed, but now a huge trigger, which totally caught me off guard was when our pets have been sick. So I really, when they are not well or need to, like our dog recently had an x-ray, like that anxiety. And it's like, I need to know now what's wrong. Yeah. It's, it's a huge trigger now. Yeah. I think when you have experience with loss or with, uh, especially like sickness and then loss, like then seeing someone else sick is it just take, it takes it low life out of you. Like I, I don't find for me, I don't find it to be a trigger, but it, if I see another, especially kids sick, I'm like, I'm thinking about it for like at least 48 hours. Like it's consuming my thoughts 
even if I don't know them, like I've passed a GoFundMe page or something, like it's just very distressing. So yeah, I, I, I can totally agree with you there. It's not something you can just look at and pass over. It sticks with you so much more. Yeah. I mean, triggers are something different for me, but that is something that is really hard to, I don't know, move on from, but just have to, <laughs> I imagine watching, watching your daughter grow up might be, I don't know if it would be trigger would be the right word, but complicated with every sort of milestone she hits thinking about him. How do you navigate that piece? That is a, a huge challenge because I've always got that comparator right beside me and reminding me of where Xavier should be at this point in time. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just, I started doing tally marks. It's a funny thing, but for each milestone that she's reached and we've got through um, without him, I, I kind of like make that tally mark and I can go back and be like, okay, we got through this one. We got through that one to kind of help me get through every one we approach that, okay, we've, we've made it this far. Like I can keep going and, and talking about it helps too. Like we talk as a family, like, Oh, what do you think Xavier would be into right now? And how do you think school would be like with him right now? Yeah. Interesting. And so like with school in mind and, and your daughter in mind, is there ever, and do you ever talk about or with like his friends? Cause he was old enough to kind of have his own friends, like when this all, when everything ended for him. So is there still connections with them? Definitely. Yeah. So a couple of his really good friends, they actually moved away, but we continue to talk to them and see them. And occasionally like his, uh, parents, they'll send us a message like, Oh, so-and-so just remembered this memory of Xavier and how they used to do this. And so I really like having that connection. A lot of it too, like Mackenzie was friends with the same friends mm -hmm. as him. So we do have that connection still. And it, it holds me close to him too. Yeah. That's really nice. So speaking of friends, then it, I imagine a lot of people poured out support for your, for you and your husband at, you know, at the time of his passing, was there anything that was particularly helpful or anything that was just not helpful at all? And if the situation were reversed and you were the person supporting, what kind of things would you offer to, to show up for others? Um, I think a big thing was offering specific help. I mean, we had a lot of like, I'm here for you. What do you need? Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what I needed. So I needed those people to be like, I'm here to cook you supper. I'm here with some groceries. I'm here to cut your grass something really specific because all of those little tasks were challenging in the beginning in our grief journey. Like it was, we barely could do anything. So yeah, being as specific as pop as possible. I didn't want to be the one to have to organize. Okay. Well, this friend can do this and this friend can do that. So just coming with something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> is a huge thing. Yeah. Is there anything that people did or said that was not helpful? <laughs> Of course, there's always certain ones. And, you know, at times we didn't want the help or we didn't want to see people. And so some people took that really personally. And so that's one thing that if I roles were reversed, I wouldn't be upset if they didn't have the energy to see us or just didn't want the help at the moment because it's not personal. It's just what they need at that time, as well as, you know, having another child that oh, well, at least you still have Mackenzie. 
is really difficult to hear. And I would never say anything like that because having another child does not in any way lessen the grief. So yeah, that was my pet peeve too. At least, yeah, at least, yeah. Well, at least. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and everybody that I asked this question to, everybody says, do something specific. Don't do, don't just do the, you know, let me yeah. know if you need anything. Cause the other thing that that does is it puts the onus on the person grieving and they don't have the energy to figure that out. Like exactly whatever it is, is going to be helpful. And it's going to be appreciative, appreciated, I guess is the right word. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what do you think is the hardest part about grieving that you wish others understood specifically, I guess, grieving a child, cause everybody <sighs> grieves at some time, but I'm sure you probably have heard this over and over again too. And that grief is forever. So it doesn't matter how long he's been gone. We're still grieving mm-hmm. every day we wake up and he's not here. Um, it's still grief. So that's a big thing. And, and for Mackenzie's sake too, right? She may not look like she's grieving when she's off at school or off doing something else, but she's still grieving too. And just last night she came in and was crying and said, you know, starting another school year without Xavier is really hard. So it's, it's looking at every developmental milestone she meets that grief kind of is there for her and people don't necessarily understand that. Yeah. That it goes on and on. Yeah. Cause in the mm-hmm. beginning there's this like influx of support and then it kind of, everybody goes back to their normal lives. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, still to this day, like grief one day will look like tears for me, but then another day it'll be anger or just overwhelmed and unable to to multitask. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it looks different day to day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but moving, like thinking about it being five years later, it, that does it look different today than it did right after like from. It does. I mean, we definitely homebound and crying and unable to like kind of take that move forward. And now, you know, we can take a moment and feel the grief and move forward with life as well. So Mm -hmm. kind of managing both now we can do, whereas in the beginning we couldn't. Right. Happiness and joy can coexist with. Exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. So, but Xavier's journey, Xavier's journey to heaven or wherever our listeners believe he went is was long and probably very painful. How do you navigate that as parents? Like, especially with another child, how do you sort of make sure you're so you feel supported that you don't neglect the other child? And then how do you sure he feels safe? So one day at a time, one moment at a time, sometimes as cliche as that sounds, it really is the only way we could get through this. And still to this day, I don't know how we did <laughs> looking back. And it's uh Near the end of him, his journey too, I turned to my faith a lot. So I wasn't really strong in faith, but it actually strengthened it. And so I, I remember, you know, every night asking God for the strength so I could be there for him and I could be there for Mackenzie and somehow miraculously, you know, we had the strength and we did it. Yeah. That's awesome. I find too, I was a similar thing for me. Like it became stronger afterwards. And I was talking to one of the episodes with uh, Kim Erickson and, and she said she was so far away from like, so far away from her faith when her son got sick, like very suddenly. And she like, didn't even think to pray. Like that just like, wasn't even on a radar radar. And now she's in a completely different, like, now she 
is totally confident that he is with Jesus and that he is pain-free and comforted and that they'll see each other again. So I just, I love those stories (laughs) because it can do one of two things, right? It'll either bring you closer to it or push you farther away and you just, you have to lean in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that leads us actually into your book though, because you wrote a book after he passed away. Tell us a little bit about your book and why you wrote it and how it came to you. So it really came to me when he was home. It was like his final day um, with us. And I started reading books to him um, to help. And I was really worried about what was inside his head and how he must be feeling um, as he neared death. And I really felt like I needed to do something. And I was looking for kind of the right words to say to him, to comfort him, to also, you know, help let him know it was okay that he was dying. And I couldn't find anything that was specific to that. And so after he died, I really wanted to write something that would help other families in that same situation, find those words to help comfort them and also give them that comfort as they passed away. Mm -hmm. The book's called My Love Will Follow You There. Yes. Calming imagery. And the imagery part again was part of the practice that Mackenzie and I did too. And, um, you know, we just talked yesterday over Instagram, uh, a huge inspiration for the book was Nancy Tillman. I love all of her books and just that whole theme of love, um, is something I really wanted to bring into the book. Yeah. That, that book, where, where we go, my love will find you. I like, I love that book so much. That was one of my favorites. I give that to everybody. I, I love that book so much. So I yes, I understand. It, it wasn't, <laughs> and that one's not particularly about, about death or anything, but it's just about the power of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my book is really speaking directly to the child that's dying, yeah. but incorporating that at love. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what's sort of the age range of like would kids be able to read it themselves or would this be something that the parents would read to them do you think how how do you um I think it spans everything like I've you know the book's been distributed to so many different families and I've had people with teenagers who have read the book to their teenager who enjoyed reading it and then others who had their you know older child read it themselves um I did write it with the thought that, you know, the parent would likely be reading it to them. Um, Xavier was, you know, incoherent at the time, like he wasn't awake. Um, So it's something, you know, you can read before they reach that point or at that point, because I know that they can still hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And comfort to them and comfort to you probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when you, when you think about uh, Xavier today, now that it's been almost five years, what do you, what do you think about what comes to mind? What, what crosses your heart and your mind when you think about him? His smile always is the first thing I think of. He had the sweetest little smile that no matter what kind of day you were having, you'd see him smile and you couldn't help the smile back. That's the one thing. And then the depth of love that we felt and we were able to share in short time. It was like something I'm thankful for every day. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. And so before we go, are there any words of encouragement you want to leave with the audience today? Anybody who might be facing something similar, what would you want to say to them? I mean, the, the cliche, you're not alone. You really aren't. And that helps me on some bad days is thinking that 
there are other families dealing with this as well. And, you know, something I tell myself too, if I can turn this experience, this worst experience that I will likely ever face into something positive, then I'm set. I, I can get through life because right. we're surviving this and there's nothing else that can be worse that I couldn't get through now. And so telling myself that regularly is, uh, is really helpful. And I think potentially others can see that there can be a positive and you have a choice to see that. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. So where can everybody find you if they want the book, if they want to connect with you or hear more about your story, where, where are you? Um, I'd say the easiest is to visit my website, which is carlagarrett.ca. Um, and you can find all the other information, my email there as well. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So you can just find me there as well. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I loved learning more about Xavier and Mackenzie and your family. And just, I'm really grateful that you were able to share. Their thank you for having me. It's always nice to be able to talk about him again and share. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for tuning in to From Heaven and Hope. If you found today's episode comforting, encouraging, and enlightening, I encourage you to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Please take care and know that you're never alone in this journey.